0: Good morning. That's so good. Excuse me. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15. Continuing our series on the discourses of Jesus to the apostles, following the Lord's Supper, but leading up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we'll read today's passage, and then we'll open a word of prayer and dig into this. John 15, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Do not me, but I you and appointed you that so you should go and bear fruit, and let your fruit should That whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity, uh, another privilege uh, to spend time in your Word together. Um, it's always a blessing for us to gather together, uh, to give you worship and adoration. And even as we study your word and uh, strive to know you better and live life that glorifies you, Lord, even that blesses us because we uh, we view it as a form of worship and knowing you. So, uh, Lord God, just bless this time this morning. Uh, reveal yourself to us. Reveal yourself through your word. Uh, and, Lord, I ask that our hearts are open now to the, to the change that needs to happen uh, for each and every one of us. Uh, thank you again for not leaving us or forsaking us, but leaving us your word and your truth uh, that we can know uh, what truth is so thank you for this time Lord in Jesus name, amen so we've been going through this discourse one of the things I want to point out before we even start is keep in mind that even though we've broken this down into chunks as it's been conveniently laid out for us by those who translated it into English for us and they have put things like chapters and headers and things like that there's a theme running through this. There's a theme. These are not all little pods that are separated. I think it's important to remember that we break them down so we can understand them, but it all goes together as one big piece. And, and this verse 12, um, which is one of the most challenging verses I think we'll ever read when it comes to the life in Christ, uh, is flowing out of all the things that Jesus has set up to this point, including he began by washing their feet. We began by washing feet. That's the first thing Jesus did. He showed uh, uh, experiential you know, love and, and humble and sacrifice for himself. And he's talked about other things, and, and he's talked about the vine. And this is flowing out of last week's study. I want to keep us, that in mind. There's not a break there. Okay, we talked about the vine and the branches. Now we're going on to something new. This is tied together. Jesus taught that first so that this makes more sense to them than just dropping a bomb on them. This is coming out of the understanding that they and we need to have of the vine and the branch relationship. Because without that, none of this is possible. We have no hope of loving the way Jesus loves without realizing that we're a branch off his vine. We're not a separate piece. We can't do it without him. It's all connected. Um, In fact, what I want to look at before we even get into this, if you go up a verse... Uh, he comes out of the vine teaching and he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. All of this is tied into this important understanding of Christ-like joy. Right? We've, we've talked about this so many times, but I, I don't want to miss it uh, as a lot of things we're going to talk about today is kind of repetitive, but there's a joy and then there's Christ-like joy. There's joy that comes from something that gives you Happiness is something you enjoy. But then there's a different joy that's coming out of this understanding of our relationship with God now. Our relationship with Jesus now. We're no longer separated people trying to offer sacrifices that please God. We're, we're connected. That brings a joy that can't exist prior. And Jesus wants us to know all these things so that we enjoy and receive the joy that he wants us to have because of this relationship. All of this is necessary and it's a blessing to us that he wants us to have. So all this thought of the, of the vine and the branch and the fruit is there. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He's going to leave them soon. Right? He's going to the cross. He's going to be dead. He's going to rise again and he's going back to heaven. I want my joy that you've known for the three years walking with me. I want you to remember that. I want that to remain with you. And so I want you to know that we're, no longer, we're not going to be separated. I'm going to leave, but we're not separated. We're going to stay together. I'm sticking with you. You and I are one now. And it's going to be completed when he goes to the cross and rises again. But, but this is a foundational truth and, and a principle that we need to have before we even move into the whole idea of loving one another. There is a joy that comes from the sacrificial love that we will get to experience that you would not know otherwise. There is a joy that comes from pleasing the Father that we would not know otherwise. There is a joy that comes from emptying ourselves for someone else's benefit or need that we could not know otherwise. And Jesus wants us to have that in full. It's a joy he knows. It's a joy that Jesus knows by emptying himself. You know, In uh, Hebrews 12, right? we're told to look at Jesus, who put aside the joy, went to the cross, but he knew the joy that was there for him when the cross was passed, when he got through the cross. There was a joy that was waiting for Jesus after the suffering, knowing that he redeemed us, knowing that he pleased the Father. There's a, there's a, a magnitude of joy that we cannot comprehend unless we're connected to our vine. And Jesus wants us to know that it's there, and he wants us to have it in fullness. We can know this joy when we go and we love another as Jesus has loved us. In Ephesians 3, Paul wrote in his prayer for the church, I want you to know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That includes joy but it's a joy that comes from the sacrificial love that Jesus did. Don't miss out on that joy. It's not just about having a peaceful life and everything is good. I I don't have any worries now. I don't fear death, da-da-da-da-da, right? There's a, a supernatural joy that we get to experience when we love like Jesus does, and he wants us to have it in full. So he takes that teaching from the vine and the branch, the understanding that there's a fruit that comes out of us. That's there for, not just ourselves, but for others. To, to impact other people. And he says, this is my commandment. That you love one another. But Don't we already have a commandment? Didn't somebody ask Jesus what was the greatest commandment? He gave him an answer, right? Love the Lord. Lord, 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 your my soul. And? Why do we need a new one? Why do we need a new one? Because that's not enough. To be completely honest, if I love you as I love myself, the best you're going to get is high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Because that's where I'm at right now with the way I take care of myself. Right? Is that what you want out of life? Thanks, Greg. Feel loved. I'm not going to talk about weight. Working from home for two years. Just praise the Lord I found a pair of pants that fit today. But anyway, so... In Christ, there's a new love that's not born out of the law. There's a love that comes from being intertwined with God, being one. We don't love like we have the best ability to love, because that's not enough. He wants us to love like he loves. Only Jesus could love like Jesus loved. And now, because of the Holy Spirit and our tied relationship with him, we get to do the same. We get to show love that people would not know that's not with a, How do I say this? Apart from Jesus. Do you realize that? Do you realize that when you love others as Christ loves, that may be their only experience with Christ-like love? Do you realize the opportunity we have? The change that we impart? When Jesus talked about fruit... Right? And, and Dave did such a wonderful job uh, last week. If you missed Dave's message from last week, please make sure you listen to it. Like, listen to all of them. Um, but, you know, this fruit, and i got to be honest with you, until Dave talked about it, I always looked at that passage as fruit being works that we do. You know, lead people to Christ, do something. But he, Dave did a wonderful job of reminding us that it's, it, part of it, at least, if not all of it, is tied to the fruit of the Spirit. That's what's coming out of us. And it's not for me. Like, I get wonderful blessings when I get to experience the peace of Christ and love of Christ and kindness and goodness. But really, it's there as as much for me as it is for other people, that they know who Christ is. Love. To give, to sacrifice, to let others know that they're special and important. Joy. Talked about joy. The joy we get to have, when we have Christ-like joy, we impact others around us something that they don't get from anywhere else in the world. That's why that joy is in us. It's great to have peace and to not worry and not fear, but you know, when you bring peace to a situation in the world, you change it. You impact people. You can diffuse a a conflict in a complicated situation at work, in family, in other places. When you bring the peace of Christ, the fruit that's in you, It's not just for you to be relaxed and not worry about today. It's that you change the world that's around you. That's the fruit. That's what's coming out of the branch that's coming out of the vine. And that's where we get the joy. So think about all nine of those fruits and how each one of those is there in you to change what's around you, to impact others so that they know the love of God. It's not just for us to have those things. It's for fruit to be given so that that fruit turns into more fruit. More branches on the vine that grows off. You know, it's important to remember that there's one vine, and every branch is off that one vine. There's a unity that's coming out of what Jesus is talking about here. This is to the apostles. There are a lot of important passages that talk about how we are to impact the world. And I'm not saying this doesn't, but the reality is when you really study this, Jesus is talking to the apostles about how to change and be for a church. This is internal stuff. I think the primary focus on this because he's talking about you love one another. Not love others, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a different passage. This is talking about how we treat ourse- each other right here in the body of Christ. Right here in the body of Christ, to love one another. How does he want us to do that? As he has loved us. Now, we read this, right? And we know that Jesus has died and resurrected. And so when we read this, we read that from that context. The apostles didn't even have that yet. We still don't know if they fully understood. I have my doubts that they even understood that he was going to the cross to die. Because they're still arguing with him about it. And Peter's fighting it, right? There's no like, yeah, Lord, let's get you to the cross. This is going to be awesome. They're like still resisting it, right? Understandably. Who, who would want their, their, their rabbi to, to go through that? Even knowing what he was going to endure. Uh, it would be hard for us to say, yeah, Lord, let's, let's get you. Let's clear a path. So for us, we get to look at this slightly different than the way he gave, he gave it to them. But they're going to know what this means later. And we get to look at it now. That we love one another as he has loved us. There's a critical component to being able to do that. Besides it being a commandment and just saying, yes, Lord, I'll obey you. We have to know the full depth of how much He loves us, don't we? Before we can love others as He loved us. If I don't fully grasp how much He loves me, how can I love you that way? I'm going to come up short. It is so important to spend the time with God regularly, not just here at church. I mean, we just, it feels kind of funny, to be honest with you, I was feeling about this when we are going through the Lord's Supper, how awkward it is to talk about teaching you about loving one another as much as Christ loved us and how to teach that when we've just spent time celebrating how much he loves us. (laughs) It's almost kind of awkward. But here's the truth. If we spend as much time as we can with God focusing really on how much he loves us, it's going to change us, and it's going to change the way we treat others. Because we're going to be grounded and rooted in that principle that our salvation is found in, that our, our life is found in, our eternity is found in. So you have to spend the time regularly, consistently, ongoing to remember how much he's loved us. We know how much he's loved us when we consider the cross. When we consider the abuse. Are are you willing to love those who will abuse you? Are you willing to love those who will reject you? Are you willing to love those who will mock you? Are you willing to love those who will hurt you? Intentionally or unintentionally? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He knew they didn't know what they were doing, but they were intentionally hurting him at the same time. You know, there's times when we get hurt, people didn't even mean to hurt us. Are you willing to love through that? Just look beyond it? We could go on and on, and I'm tempted to, but I'm not going to. Just talk about how much He loves us, how much He endured. I just want to encourage you to make sure that as much as you can, start of every day. It's great to start the day in the Word, and it's great to spend the day studying things and learning things and growing in knowledge in Christ, but you have to, we have to, regularly, consistently remember and focus just on that one truth, how much He loves us have to. That's the feed that's coming from the vine that's feeding the branch that produces fruit. It's not doctrinal knowledge. It's the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ that makes our fruit grow. So our purpose and our motivation um, to, to follow this commandment is rooted and grounded in that understanding that you love one another as I have loved you. If I don't understand that, I will never love people. Jeremiah 31, I, I know it's, it's a the prophet speaking to Israel, but it, it speaks to the, to the heart of God when, we, when God talks about love. He says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's love is a love that can't change. It can't be broken. It can't be defeated. It can't be discouraged. It doesn't give up. 1 Corinthians 13, read that, meditate on that. Look at that passage from the love of Christ to you and then take that and make that love to someone else. So that's Christ's commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. And he's given this right in the center of this, of this teaching, starting with, with all these things and coming off the fruit um, and the branch and the vine. And he says, greater love has no one than this. So he's explaining what his love is than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's a different kind of love. We think so much about love of what we receive from God. And what Jesus is talking about is if you love me, then you give love. You express love. You show love. And my love is a sacrificial love. Lay down one's life. That's a high call. It's a tremendous challenge. It goes beyond convenience and comfort. It goes beyond, well, I can't do it today, but maybe I can do it tomorrow. It goes, I'll, I will give up now. I will give up my resource. It's not even about resources so much. It's really about yourself. What are you willing to sacrifice and give up that's your comfort and your convenience? Most of us are not going to be asked to lay down our life, literally. It's just not the world we live in right now. Other parts in the world that might actually come to that. Maybe we'll hear someday. But right now, just not a high risk for you to have to lay down your life. What's the equivalent? Your time? your Resources? Your abilities? What are you willing to lay down for others that's going to cost you? You know, Jesus says, this, I, I love this passage. I, I, I was trying to understand how to explain this, and, and I just got so circular. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You know, uh, said, said every five-year-old <laughs> to his friends, right? You want to be my friend? Do what I tell you. Um, otherwise, we can't be friends. But, you know, of course, this is Jesus, so it's different. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. So this has been their relationship, rabbi, students, master, servants. But he's calling them friends under the context that he is still Messiah. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. Jesus is explaining that the the relationship that's different now is sharing information, sharing my heart, sharing my plan, sharing my designs, A servant is going to get told, go dig a hole. He doesn't need to know why there's a hole. It could be for a well. It could be for his own grave. He has no idea. He's just told to dig, so he digs. A friend is told, we're going to dig a hole because we're going to put a well in. It's going to give people clean water. See what I'm saying? there's, There's a change in communication because of the relationship. Jesus wants us to know his plan. People did not understand God's plan. The New Testament talks about it being a mystery, mystery after mystery that was revealed in Christ. There's no more mystery for us. The only thing we don't know is when he's coming back. Everything else we know. We even know what's going to happen after he comes back. We just don't know the moment he's coming back. Everything else that's God's plan and purpose has been revealed to us because we're his friend. We're not not just a servant anymore. We're a bond servant. We're those who have committed ourselves to him because we choose to. Well, conflict myself in a minute. But he says, a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I have called you friends. See, the relationship is initiated by Jesus, isn't it? So, you know, I'm going to go back to the, to the five-year-old, the, the kid in elementary school. It's a really bad illustration. But, you know, a kid sits down at the lunch table and says, you're my friend. So here's half my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Didn't ask for anything in return. I decided you're my friend, so here I'm going to give something to you. Now the other person has the opportunity to reciprocate. Am I going to give something back, or am I just going to take and go? And so I think Jesus is clarifying that he's calling them friends, but now he's saying if you're my friend, you're going to do what I command you. See, he chose us, and he said, you're my friend. Are you going to say, Jesus, you're my friend? It's really bad vernacular, but just trying to explain the passage. What are you going to do that shows Jesus that you view him as a friend? Because he's shown you what he's doing that he thinks you're a friend. Is it a one-way street? Or are we going to obey his commandments? Have you ever thought about how many commandments are in the New Testament, in the Gospels just from Jesus? if you really counted all his commandments, just go through the Beatitudes. Go through the Sermon on the Mount. They're all commands. So he says, These, follow my commandments. All those things are commandments. It's not just to love one another. I've seen people even count up to a thousand in the New Testament. I can't try and figure that out if they're right or not. But um, some people say there's seven commands. Some people say there's a thousand. You can go through and look at everything Jesus said as a command. That's for us to live by. If you want to call Jesus your friend, you want to sing those songs and those hymns and those contemporary songs that talk about Jesus' friend, a sinner, are you going to treat him like a friend? Or is he going to be carrying all the weight in the relationship? So Jesus says, All things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Is it just our salvation? Isn't God's plan for all to be saved? However you want to apply that. Are we going to do that work? Are we going to let others know how much God loves them by showing how much he loves us by performing the same duties? So I think what Jesus is saying in part for this relationship Uh, you're going to know that you're mine, and the world's going to know that you're mine, and we're going to talk about this later in the discourses. Um, The world may know you. You are mine as how you love each other. All God's plans have been made known to us. His love for mankind, the purpose of the cross, salvation, the free gift of grace, all these things have been made known. None of it is hidden from us anymore. In verse 16, Jesus points out something important, and this is an encouragement. I view this as an encouragement, this verse. "You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit." Just stop right there before we get to the second half of the verse. How wonderful is it, how humbling, how encouraging, how inspiring, how motivating to know that we were chosen for this purpose and appointed that we should go and bear fruit, not just to be saved, not just to be saved, but to bear fruit that changes the world, that changes other people's lives that leads others to Christ. If this happens, Jesus says, if you, you go and bear this fruit, my purpose for you is that your fruit should remain. That's how you know it's healthy fruit when you see change in others. When you see the impact in others because of your fruit, that's coming off the vine. That your fruit should remain. It doesn't just go out there, you just did something and it had no impact and no change. There was, it was just wasted. Wasted. What Jesus is saying, my purpose for you and the fruit that's coming out of you is that it remains. There's impact in this world. Impact in others. When we get later in the, um, in the discourses, um, I believe Dave Parsons is going to come and uh, talk about prayer. So I'm going to save that for the last part of this verse where he says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. I just want to encourage us to remember, what is it that we're asking for? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Well, it seems right here to me that what he's telling us to ask for is that our fruit, has an impact. That we have fruit and that we have an impact. That's what we should be asking for. That's why he chose us. We didn't choose him. And he appointed us to go bear fruit that the world may know who he is. That the world may know that kind of love and that it remains. Let's ask the Father for that. Let's ask the Father for that. And He sandwiches this passage with a repeat almost. These things I command you that you love one another. So you could take all that stuff apart and just look at each verse one at a time and realize that it's not really about, or miss the opportunity to understand that it's about loving one another. All this fruit, all this choosing, being friends of Jesus, it's all sandwiched. By this command to love one another. So clearly the purpose of this is to exercise the command to put it into practice to love one another. It's a love sandwich. It's a love sandwich. I want to just close with some thoughts on Christ's love. I want to remind us and encourage us, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when we love others, we get to experience Christ in a different way. Don't lose that impact on yourself, that when you make that sacrificial love in practice, you're connecting with Jesus on a deeper level. I don't know if other parents have experienced this. Some of you kids are grown. Maybe some of you kids are growing. Maybe experienced experience that moment. Something happens. And I'm not going to give any details, but something happens, and your kid looks at you and goes, I get it, right? Like, remember what I've been telling you for like the last 18 years? They go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it now, Dad. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I see what you've been saying all my life. I get it. It makes sense now. Never made sense before. I thought you were an idiot, but now I get it, you know? Sometimes when we get to experience Christ's love by exercising it in a sacrificial way, we get to look at Jesus and go, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, when we get to do that, we get to bless others with that experience of being loved by Christ. Some people have a hard time grasping it. Some people have never known it. Some people even believe but just have a hard time in their heart Feeling the love of Jesus. They know it's true, but they just don't experience it. Some people get it on a very spiritual level, and some people don't. That practical application you do in people's lives allows them to experience Jesus on a way that that they can't. It's not to replace Jesus, but it's to let others know Jesus' love. They get to experience something. We get to be used by God for others to experience that. That requires us to look at others with his eyes. With his eyes. Love others as I have loved you. He sees our need. Do we see others' need the way he does? Some thoughts on practical love. Ephesians 5.2, Paul admonishes them to walk in love. It's an ongoing practice. It's not a moment, I went from station to station. To walk in love is the ongoing practice at all times to continually be loving one another. Romans 12.9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Is it sincere love? Does it have partiality? Do we love the least of these or the best of these? Galatians 5.13, Paul wrote, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Galatians 6.2, he wrote, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law we just got? Love one another as I have loved you. We do that by bearing one another's burdens. It's going to require having the right expectations of others. On the cross, Jesus knew he would be, be betrayed. he knew that he 'd be mocked, and he had no hesitation to say, "Father, forgive them for they know what they do. We have to have the right expectation of people we 're there to love, not get something in return it's not it 's not a transaction some some uh, Definitions, I guess, from the experiences of Jesus, and this is just a small sample before we close. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he expressed a humble and a serving love. When Jesus healed the sick, he expressed a compassionate love. Jesus loved Mary, and he loved Judas. It was an unbiased love. When Jesus wept, it was an empathetic love. When Jesus said, let the children come unto me, it was a gentle love and a kind love. When Jesus encountered the adulterous woman, it was a non-condemning love. On the cross, it was a forgiving love. And at the cross, it was a sacrificial love. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the love of Jesus. How inadequate have my words been to try and express what this love is. But we all know through the truth and through our relationship and through this beautiful vine uh, what this love really is. It's a love that abandoned the glory of heaven. It's a love that knew what awaited it but went anyway. It's a love that didn't require anything in return, but gave wholly and completely, trusting solely in you. Father, thank you for the love of Jesus, and I pray that we will love one another, fulfill this commandment, bear our fruit, and make changes in people's lives, here inside this building and even outside. Thank you again for the body here for the expressions of love I have seen and experienced so many times. So, Lord, I just pray that we would continue to grow in this, to fulfill and glorify our Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. In your name, amen. Lord bless you all. Have a wonderful week.